Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, July 2nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 526 features The Athletics' David Aldridge. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very first post-free agency edition of Celtics Beat, at least for this calendar year anyway. It's great to have you back here with us. Off-season certainly in full swing. You know us, Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, and another guy you undoubtedly are very familiar with, be it through his years of broadcasting and writing or even just in video games, as we talked about last time he was on here with us. David Aldridge from The Athletic. David, how are you? I'm good, guys. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, we had you last on with us a couple of years ago, and after the Celtics made what has at least, I don't know how this is viewed, and you could better tell us from a national perspective how this is viewed kind of in the larger NBA circles, but I can tell you, for Boston, pretty monumental trade when you have as much as, like as big as Chris Tapsporzing is coming through the door is, Marcus Smart, the longest tenured player in the organization, sort of the de facto captain, quote unquote, heart and soul glue guy, the, you know, hashtag winning plays, all of that. When he goes out the door, that certainly makes headlines around here, especially a very, very polarizing figure amidst the Boston sports community. Probably the, probably the most polarizing Boston athlete, as a matter of fact, that we've had in, in many, many years. And so that, shockwaves through kind of the the community but as soon as that trade was made even rumors floating around when of course it was Malcolm Brogdon beforehand my first thought went to you was man like we need to if we're going to get a really good depiction of of Porzingis on a daily basis coming off the career year what he brings to Boston all of that to let people kind of more inside of what this trade means David Aldridge, that's who I wanted to get on the show. And obviously I started pinging you like crazy, like, let's, let's do this again. What was your reaction when this trade was made? You know, I, I think you guys saw clearly that, um, Boston's group wasn't quite up to, up to the task, right? Um, this past year, good group, playoff team for sure, but, you know, to, to have to climb out of a 3-0 hole in the conference finals is not optimal, right? And it kind of lets you know where your team is, right? Like, I thought we were better than this. We shouldn't have to do this. Um, 
And then to climb all the way back out and then just get blitzed, blitzed in game seven, it was just like, wow, that is not good. So, um, but all that said, when you, when the Celtics trade Marcus Smart, that gets everybody's attention because to your point, I mean, we all understand how much Marcus meant to the kind of fabric of that team, the culture of that team, um, the willingness to be a two way player to get better offensively. Um, to, to throw your body around defensively and to be able to be a multi-positional defensive player, a player, defensive player of the year, as a matter of fact, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not easy to come by. Guys like that who want to, want to defend are not easy to come by and who are good at it. Um, so it's a gamble. Uh, no matter how good I think Kristaps Porzingis is, and I think he's pretty good, it's a gamble because you're letting a guy who really set a tone and I think spoke a lot of truth, you know, I mean, sometimes he may have been wrong, but the fact that he was willing to call out Tatum and call out Brown when he thought that they weren't given what they needed to give and they needed to do better. You need guys like that on your team. You need a Draymond on your team. Everybody needs a Draymond. If you're, if you're aspirational, you need a guy like that on your team. Um, and sometimes you have to rein him in a little bit, but I'd rather be able to, I'd rather have to rein in a guy whose heart is pumping blood than try to pump up a guy who's clinically dead. You know what I mean? Like, so um, I think it's, it's hard to get guys like that who are also good enough on the floor that they, they have earned the right to speak up. Um, so that's a gamble. I can tell you, Kristaps is not that guy. <laughs> He's not yes. that guy. Kristaps is a very nice guy. He's a very quiet guy. He does not speak a lot. Um he certainly is not going to be, I don't think, a guy to call other teammates out the way that Marcus did, you know, credibly uh, over the years. Um, but he does bring a certain skill set uh, to the table that can be very helpful to Boston. No question. So I guess a couple of things with that. One that immediately comes to mind when you say, like, you got to have a smart, you got to have a Draymond, you got to have that that character, that that a player with that mindset on your roster. Well, one and I know they're not done. Like we're, we're sitting here at the beginning of July. Free agency just started. Trades could be made. There's the Grant Williams sign trade potential. It seems like the Celtics are still, still trying to get off of Malcolm Brogdon's contract. Mm-hmm. Who knows who could be coming in, but I would say that they don't have that guy right now. Yeah. So maybe that is, you know, a little bit concerning. And then on the Porzingis side of things, and one of the first things we said on this show when that trade was made was, I find it very hard to believe that the Celtics are going to give up a smart, give up the potential of bringing back a Grant Williams in terms of salary cap structure and bring in Porzingis without sort of that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, a, an agreement is going to get done on an extension. Sure enough, obviously they did two year deal reported $60 million. And so came in even less, about $17 million less than what Porzingis could have demanded. So uh, I guess credit to him for giving a little bit back or, or, you know, working out a, a quote unquote team friendly deal, if you will. But I, I wonder exactly sort of how he fits in, in terms of, you know, when, when stars get together and Porzingis is a star, he's not at the level of Tatum, obviously, or even necessarily Brown, but he is a star. When stars get together, how does it gel? How does it mesh? Who? is willing to sacrifice. And Porzingis said all the right things in his introductory press conference about just coming in to make the lives easier of, of the Jays. Is he prepared to go from averaging what, 23, 24 points a game to 18 to shooting less to, you know, yeah. playing a smaller role in the offense. How does this look to you? 
Again, I think that if if you were looking for a guy to be a third guy, it would be somebody like Porzingis, just in terms of temperament. I never – he was here in Washington for a year and a half. I never heard him say, I need to shoot more. I never heard him say it, you know, and he was playing. Now, it, look, I get it. They're not as good as, as Tatum and Brown, but Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma are talented offensive players. Um, and some nights Kuzma had it going and some nights Bradley had it going and Porzingis had to take a back seat. And on those nights, he was fine with it. I never heard him complain about his role in the offense. Um, you know, and then there were nights when he was cooking and they kept feeding him. I think that's one of the things that's good about Porzingis is, man, he is hard to stop when he is, when he gets on a, when he gets on a heater, he is hard to stop because there's just not, there's not any guys his size, man. He just shoots over everybody. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you put on him. He shoots over them. Um, because he does, he's not a leaper, but when he jumps at all, he, now he's seven five. So how do you block seven five? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so, so, um, It's hard to block it. It's hard to change his shot. Um, And he knows exactly where his his hot zone is. Um, He's an elbow guy. He's not going to get in Tatum's way. I don't think he's going to get in Jalen Brown's way either. Um, He posts up some, but that's not really what he does. What he does is face up and shoot jumpers. And he's really good at it. (laughs) He's very good at it and um, very efficient at it. And certainly he's coming off his best season. Um, and the issue with him is how many times is he going to play? That is the number one question with him. It's always going to be the number one question with him. How many games is he going to play? I think realistically, even though he's coming off a very good season in terms of games play, because he could have played at the end. They shut everybody mm-hmm. down the last two weeks of the season. Um, I think if you're Boston, you're looking at 60, 65 games. If I get that out of him, I, that's good. I'm good with that. That's what um, we said about Brogdon last year. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're expecting 76, 77 games, that's, this isn't your guy. Um, you know, he, he wants to play. He'll play through injuries. He'll, you know, but, but he gets injured a lot. That's just the bottom line. And, and again, that's not something that should surprise people given his frame. He is seven three. He is a tall human being and. People that size, people that tall get hurt in the NBA. It is pretty universal. There's very few guys that just suit up and play 75 games a year at that size. They just break down. There's just more of them, more of them to break down than other people, you know. So, um, you know, he's going to probably have some injuries. But when he's on the floor, I don't think you're going to have to ever be concerned about him complaining about shots or not getting in a rhythm or I need more touches. He is going to fit it, get in where he can fit in. Um, and they'll be smart enough to feed him because th- th- he is a matchup problem with his ability to stretch the floor and his ability to kind of just rise up over people. And he draws fouls too, guys. That's another really good thing about Porzingis's game is that he knows how to draw fouls. Um, so for a team that likes to get in the penalty, likes to set their defense up, he's going to help you. You know, one of the things that has come out of this trade, and it took a while, I think, for this to come out because I think Brad Kaufman, he did his press conference after the draft at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the press tour starts when like everybody's kind of sleeping anyway. But one of the things that he said after this trade and after the draft is he thought 
Boston was a little too easy to guard in the playoffs. And so mm. you you watch a lot of basketball. I mean, you're as plugged in as anybody as it gets. You know, do, A, do you agree with that assessment? Was Boston too easy to guard? And B, now that they bring in Porzingis, you talk about that matchup nightmare problem with him. Does he change the geometry on the floor for Boston in, in a way that, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to say he's Jokic or Giannis or anything like mm-hmm. that. But is he just the, the what he'll bring to the table? Will it make everybody think a little bit? There's a there's a a gentleman Mike Lombardi who does a lot of podcasting for Vison yeah. and, and mm-hmm. uh, DraftKings and stuff. He talks about people being like Tuesday players, guys who get the game plan for on Tuesday before you get to the stadium on Sunday. I'm not calling Porzingis that kind of player, but again, changing the job to the floor is, is he going to make everything? You know, coaches around the league say, hey, we got to really. We, we got to forget about the old boss and this new boss has got a whole different animal to it. Well, I mean, he's just, he's just a, he's an efficient scorer, you know, like, like peak owl was, was very tough to made them very tough to guard because of the pick and pop possibility, right? Like he's just mm-hmm. so good at it. Like he really stretches the floor. Well, poor Zingas does that in a, in a different way. He is not, well, they didn't use him a ton in pick and roll. I mean, they did, they sort of did, but not the way Boston does pick and roll. And that's another thing. Like the Wizards didn't have a, a wing like a Jason Tatum who really, really collapses defenses. Um, so if they run Tatum and, and Porzingis pick and roll, that's going to be really hard for people to guard. Like, like I, I don't know what you do in that situation because I'm telling you at the elbows, this guy doesn't miss. He does not miss. I mean, it's automatic. Um, so you're, they, I think that there's some truth to that. Um, I think you guys saw throughout the playoffs that whether it was Philly or Miami really loading up on Tatum, making him really inefficient. Most of the, most of those playoff series, you know, he had the huge game against Philly, but other than that, I mean, he really struggled some, you know, it was not efficient. This Porzingis will help him with that. I think he will help him very much so because defense, if you, you know, any loading up on Tatum, if this ball gets to the weak side with Porzingis, I mean, he, there's different things that he can do. He can shoot the three, he can shoot the mid range, but again, he's good at the duck end too. Now he doesn't do it a lot. He might do it more with Boston just because Jalen's presence may require that, but so he's not, I wouldn't call him a three level scorer, but he can score at all three levels if you understand the distinction. Mm-hmm. So if you do, if you do things to take Tatum and Brown away, Porzingis will react to that and be available at whatever level he's available at. He's a dangerous guy. He's a guy that can make that shot. So it, it, it does open up their possibilities. It does make them harder to guard. And, and, you know, obviously Al's, dropped off some this year. So you yeah. go right back to peak Al. To me, it's a different type of peak. It's a different type of guy, but it's the same pressure that having someone that good offensively as a as a pressure release uh creates for defenses. It makes it really hard to guard him. So David, I, I'm somebody who was and remain skeptical of the trade. More mm-hmm. so with Smart included than when it was Brogdon, obviously, in the DLI. Yeah. I think that's just a, a very different situation but also with respect somewhat to Porzingis now like you said the number one question for him is and always will be how many games he's going is he going to be available to you as as Doc Rivers you know likes to say greatest ability is availability and all of that but 
I and 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 I say this having not taken a, a deep dive into his shot chart. You know, what's his shooting percentage from three? What is he on uncontested looks? You know, you know, what is he mostly wide open? All of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But just sort of as a basic framework, I look at last year and. I am one of the believers that, you know, he's 27. He'll be 28 a month from today. You know, he is, he's very early on in his prime years. Like, I don't understand what, like, you get some people that say your prime years are your, your early healthiest years. Your prime years, you're 22, 23. No, in the NBA, to me, and I, I think you would agree, your prime years are, you know, start at like 26, 27. That's when guys, you know, sort of, fully mature in terms of their bodies and, and have a great understanding of what it takes to win in the league. And that's when many of these guys that we could recite the names generally win their first titles, you know, they're, they're in that 27, 28, 29 range. I look at Porzingis last year and I say, okay, he shot 50% from the field, but he's a career 43% shooter. He -hmm. shot 39% from three, but he's a career 36% shooter from three point range. Was last year a sign of things to come to you or was last year, you know, an outlier versus the rest of what we've seen of his career so far? Um, I think that he's probably trending toward more towards this than what he was before. And, and, and part of that is also the teams he was on. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he was on a mediocre Knicks team and then he was on a pretty good Dallas team, but a, a Dallas team that had a really ball dominant guard in Luca and it's hard to play with Luca. I don't care who you are. It's hard to play with that guy. And it doesn't mean he's not great. He is great, but it's hard to play with him. It's like, it's hard to play with anybody that dominates the ball as much as he does. Um, and I think on a team that where the ball moves more and, and certainly Boston is a team where the ball tends to move a lot. Um, I think Porzingis is a, is a perfect fit for that. Um, is he a career 38, 39% three point shooter? Well, probably not, but he's never been on a team this good either. So now those threes are wide open. They're going to be wide open threes. And my experience is that in the NBA, guys make more wide open threes. <laughs> they, they tend, guys that can make them tend to make them a lot. Um, they don't miss usually if they're wide open. So, um, this is a, a more talented team that should create more good open looks for him than he's gotten in Washington or in Dallas. So I think that he will, I think he's more towards this. Maybe he's a 48% shooter. Maybe he's not a 50% shooter, but I don't think he's a 42% shooter. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's a pretty good shooter when he's open. Um, when he has a chance to kind of get his, get him, get his legs underneath him, he's pretty good. So um, yeah, I think he's going to, I think, I saw development from him in terms of, and I think part of it is the Wizards giving him the opportunity and the freedom to kind of do more things. Like, I think when he first got in the league, everybody wanted him to post up because he was 7-3. And he was like, I don't really want to just post up all the time. I want to face the basket some. And I think Boston, or I think Dallas maybe leaned into that a little too much. Like, you know, Rick Carlisle just arguing with people who, would ever bring up the, why don't you put him inside every once in a while and say, he's, he's, you know, he doesn't do that. I think Washington let him do the best of both worlds, you know, a little post up, a little facing some threes. And I think he's more comfortable doing everything as opposed to we're going to just, you just do this one thing 
Like, I don't think you just want to spot him up in the opposite corner. Like, he can do it, but he's not, that's not the best way to use him. The best way to use him is to let him kind of be variant in his offense. And I think this is the, he's the kind of guy that I think would be incredible as anchor, as an anchor for the second unit. Like, if you can stagger the minutes where maybe he comes out early and then when Tatum and, and Brown go to the bench, he's anchoring the second team, whoever, whatever that second team looks like. He could be real. You could run the offense through him for three or four minutes and you'd be fine. You know what I mean? So, so he can help them in a lot of different ways. Um, and being on a better team will help him too. Yeah. Cough, we've talked about that, about how one of the biggest questions that, uh, Joe Mazzulla had to answer and just didn't have one of, and of course, you know, Tatum gets hurt and it just gets a little bit more exaggerated is like when Tatum's off the floor, their offense just stinks. Like their offense is just bad. And mm-hmm. the addition of Porzingis and, you know, the question would be, can, can Jalen and Porzingis kind of coexist at the same time? Because, you know, you're going to have some sort of rotation of, you know, hopefully two of those three guys are in the floor at the same time. And Adam, I've, you know, you and I have talked about this a bunch. It's just with, with the, you know, Jalen has blinders on sometimes and it can get, mm-hmm. get kind of tough. You know, the ball sticks a little bit more. And the thing about bringing in Porzingis that I think a lot of people have question marks about DA too. One is, is he going to move the basketball? Mm-hmm. You know, you see highlights of him, you know, uh, uh, there's a great six minute highlight video of him out there. That's, you know, a lot of blocks, a lot of jump shots and a lot of great passes. Is he a guy that can really keep the offense moving? And then that mm-hmm. defensive part, Boston got to the NBA finals two years ago because they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. And if yeah. you look at that run specifically from about February till Rob Williams got hurt in April, they were the best defensive team like in 20 years, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that's, I think that they have an, uh, an aspiration to get back to that defensive, you know, mindset too. And, and you trade away smart. You say, how the hell are we getting back to the defensive mindset when we're trading away Marcus Smart? But at the same time, yeah, you've seen it. His rim protection numbers are, are elite. They're up there. So yeah. you, you can't, you can't not complain about that either. Yeah. No, he's really good at the rim. He's really good defensively at the rim very underrated as a matter of fact defensively at the rim changes people's shots you know makes them inefficient in the paint um and the the problem that he has defensively is that people put him in pick and rolls and he does pick up fouls that does happen that is a that is something that i'm sure teams are going to try to exploit against him um because he's not good in space like he's just he's just not quick enough laterally to be able to move his feet and stay out of stay in good legal guarding position and teams lean into him and draw fouls on him. Um, I'm I'm having nightmares of Jimmy Butler right now already. Yeah, no, I mean, the elite teams are certainly going to try to put him in, in those positions, but I suspect I would imagine that the counter to that is that he's going to play a lot of drop, you know, like, I mean, why wouldn't he play a lot of drop? So um, that's just what somebody his size has to do a lot. And he did it in Washington and was fairly effective with it. So he'll be, I think he's better than people think defensively. I'm not pretending like he's a great defensive player. I'm not saying that, but I think he can be very, very effective defensively. Um, if you protect him and keep him out of a, a lot of screen roll action, um, but yeah, I mean, look, Marcus Smart was a unique talent at that end of the floor in terms of his versatility and his his effectiveness. And they're not going to be, I don't think, as good defensively. Even though White's a really good defensive player, don't get me wrong, he's really good. Um, but Marcus is unique. 
it's the reason why he was defensive player of the year last year because he has a unique set of defensive skills that make him, you know, very, very valuable to any team and certainly was very valuable to Boston. Well, as much fun as we're having with David Aldridge, and we'll get back to him, obviously. Ev, I, I know, I know we got to tell the people, you know, why we're here in the first place. We're here in the first place because we're powered by FanDuel. And we're going to take a break to tell you today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. We'll get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just 20 mm. bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. It's 200 you can spend on. Uh, betting on everything from the money line to over-unders to parlays to first home run of the game to this nobody's going to score in this inning. It's an, it's an amazing plethora of options for you at FanDuel, and it's all in that app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Kaufman, I'm looking at – I can't believe I'm going to do this. Oh, can't say this. Oh, I'm talking about it. Oh, no. But the NBA Finals uh, odds are out. Celtics plus 460, the favorite somehow can't quite figure that one out. No, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at the moment. But there there is just tremendous, I I hate this with every fiber of my being, but there is just tremendous value on the LA Lakers at plus 1400 right now. I just, I just, I just got to be honest. Like they did a great job in free agency. That team is, is looking pretty nice and plus 1400 is pretty good odds, man. what's, What's Miami's number? Ooh, great question. Miami right now plus a thousand. Yeah, I, I and I bet that's moved even in the last day or two since yep. the game trade rumor. It, it probably was closer to plus fifteen or something like that. So uh I mean that's I look, I I wouldn't I know, you're having it. a hard time. I, I, just, I, I'd be more comfortable putting money on Miami at that number than Boston at, at its number. Yeah, and the Lakers is the same. I mean, look, I love the Celtics, but I, I think if you're gonna sprinkle some on the seas. I sprinkle some of the Lakers is too. Just be smart yeah. about it out there. You're looking for value. I get it. Yeah. There's, and I mean, I, I hate it, but I get it. I do too. It's the worst. And and again, FanDuel makes it so easy to bet on NBA, MMA, tennis, golf, and of course, Major League Baseball. It's America's number one sports book that is FanDuel. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com. Slash Boston FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. To run plus and present in MA, first online real money wager only. Ten dollar deposit is required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in fourteen days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling line. Oh, excuse me. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050. For 24-7 support, play it smart from the start, GameSenseMA.com, or call 800-GAM-1234. Now back to the smartest guy in the room. It was a, uh, locally at least, kind of an ongoing joke talking about sort of this, you know, teams want to have big threes. Obviously, that's been going on for decades at this point in time. And does Boston have a big three? Well, you have two. And then is Marcus Smart your third guy? And it was, you know... Obviously, like you said, defensive player of the year and very important to the culture of this team had been around for a very long time, but not of the level you would think of a typical third star to carry you to a championship. And so there was a lot of conversation after the season, even during the season, during the playoff run, when things were faltering of 
is is it just something about this core, some sort of intangible thing that can't be explained, just something about this core that has to be changed in, in order for this team to get over the hump? Because they've you know gotten to the final four of of the NBA all of these times. They get to the title round, they blow it against Golden State, they come up short last year, certainly compared to expectations and all of that. What needs to give? And you knew, matter of factly, the one guy who's not going anywhere is Jason Tatum. And mm-hmm. so it became Jalen Brown, who's been in trade rumor after trade rumor after the years, uh, right. over the years rather, and you know, most recently last year for Kevin Durant, or would it be Marcus Smart? Because it, it was to really change the core, it was going to be one of those guys moving. Smart ends up getting dealt. This is something we we only started, Evan, to touch on toward the end of, of last week's show and, and didn't really explore it. And, David, I'm, I'm curious as to your perspective. Was there – I realize the – at least as we sit here and talk right now, the Supermax or, or whatever close to it new deal for Jalen Brown is not done yet. Mm-hmm. But is there – do you think there was a sigh of relief on his part? Not that he wanted Marcus Smart to be traded or something like that, but in terms of some sort of a – faith renewed from from brad stevens and upper management basketball operations that okay they truly are it's not just lip service what they've said in the media they truly are building in part around me and they made a choice and i am the guy they chose do you do you think there's any of that for him Um, honestly no i don't think so um i think it was clear as the playoffs went on i mean as much as it was up and down for them in the playoffs, I didn't get any sense from anyone in the league or any, anybody on that team that this is a referendum on Jalen Brown. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was pretty much, yeah, no. I mean, what I always get, what I always come back to when you talk about things like this is, all right, who's better than Jalen Brown? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. I'm trading Jalen Brown. Who am I bringing in? That's better than Jalen Brown. <laughs> And it's a really short list, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I just didn't, like you heard all this, you know, well, you know, Dame wants Jalen Brown to come to Portland for the third pick. Well, why would I do that if I was Boston? Even if I get a chance to pick Scoot Anderson, like, why would I do that? Like, I, he's already, look, as as painful as the playoffs were, the conference finals were for the Celtics. They've been in the conference finals four times in the last six years. <laughs> They've been to the finals. There's not many teams. There's not any teams that have that level of consistency in terms of getting there other than the Heat, the, the team that beat them, right? So, I mean, so, I mean, I just don't know that you can, if you're throwing the name around, like you're, you're throwing a top 25 guy in the league in Jalen Brown, maybe top 20, like, Last year, top 10. Is, yeah, the only guy that's better than him is a guy that's in the top 10 or 12, right? And they're not available, I don't think. So, yeah. So to me, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't get any sense that, that they were seriously going to consider moving him, um, after a brief kind of, well, theoretically, what could you get for Jalen Brown if you offered? I mean, so it didn't, it never really reached critical mass to me. I always thought, end of the day, they're going to max him out. They're going to max Tatum out. They're going to roll with those two guys because if you surround those two guys with enough talent, they've shown that they can take you pretty far. 
So let's go with that for a second, because again, as we sit here and record, the deal's not done. I bring that up multiple times because David, you wouldn't know this, but any regular listener of this show would. This show has a reputation for big news breaking inside 24 hours of us publishing <laughs> a podcast. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's the safest bet in Vegas, David, is that, right. is that like, we're going to stop, we're going to have this conversation for the next five minutes that I'm about to propose to you. And yeah. by the time the show publishes, the deal is going to be announced by Woj or Shams or something like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, but nevertheless, let's, let's run with that for a minute. Let's just say, for example, exactly. the deal isn't done yet. So. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there were some people that believed that, all right, like midnight's going to strike on, on July 1st and, and some of these extensions are going to start to come out. And some did. Uh, Jalen Brown's obviously has not yet. And I have multiple thoughts going through my mind, which is, you know, if, if you're the Celtics and you're going to super max him to me, that should be an easy decision on his part to take the money unless he isn't so sure he wants to be in Boston long term. Mm-hmm. Or two, the other, the flip side of that, if you're starting to play around, if you're the Celtics and saying, well, we want Jalen, but we don't want a super max and we'll go close to it, but we yeah. don't want to give him the whole thing, whether it's because we don't think of him as that kind of player or because we want the future flexibility or any number of reasons, whatever it is, you know, we don't quite want to hit that, that threshold in, in thinking about, you know, the new CBA and second apron, blah, blah, blah. So, and, and and if you're Jalen, well, you've felt publicly, you have felt disrespected time and time again by the Celtics organization, you know, to where I've never believed he's willing to take less than the super max. So maybe, you know, where we're at an impasse here. And so I, I, I say all of that just to say to you, are you surprised a deal isn't done yet? And what do you think the holdup is? Um, no, not really. I'm guessing. Look, this is a guess. I don't know. Brad does, as you know, <laughs> Brad's not, Brad doesn't do a lot of talking. So no, Brad operates in the shadows. His current role. Um, so I haven't talked to Brad about this, but here, my guess is, look, they've got to clean up the Brogdon thing now. Like clearly he was in a trade. They had to pull the trade off the table. That's not going to sit well with him. <laughs> like they got to fix that. They got to they got to resolve that one way or the other, right? So I think that's probably the front of mind task. Thinking maybe that okay, look, we have an understanding with Jalen and his representatives about what the number is going to be. So it's either yes, we we agree to the number, or no, we don't. And then you have a different conversation if the answer is no. But I think everybody understands what the number is going to be, right? So you don't have to worry about like negotiating, like it's. It, it it's either we pay it or we don't pay it. Right. So, um, so I'm guessing they got to figure out how to, they got to figure out Grant and they got to figure out Brogdon. And that's kind of where they are right now this week is how do we resolve these two? And then after that, I think they come back to, okay, now that those are resolved, however they get resolved, um, let's, let's see where we are with Jalen. Let's finish this off so that we understand. I, I think it will get done again. I, I just cannot see. And I look, I've heard all the things that you've heard about Jalen and maybe Boston, the best place for me is the place I want to be for the rest of my career. And that's, I can't get inside a guy's head or, or his heart. Um, he has to answer that question. I think my guess is that if Jalen didn't want to be there long term, that would have been made clear by now. Um, as you guys know, <laughs> great players tend to. Let it be known if they don't want to be somewhere long term, they make it quite clear, um, through the media 
Um, it's just where we are in the player empowerment era. Um, so, uh, the fact that we haven't heard that, that Jalen Brown wants to be traded to city X or city Y, um, I think leads me to believe that he's cool staying in Boston, but to your point, he wants to get the max. He wants to get paid, um, what he's worth. And I think he's well within his rights to ask for that. So the question is, does Boston think of him that same way? And I don't know the answer to that. I think they do, but I don't, I don't know that a hundred percent for sure. Yeah, I've talked about it a lot, but you know, again, my, you know, we'll, we'll have the full conversation when, when the ink signed and, and we're, we're rolling here, uh, in the 2023. 24 and Jalen's locked up for the next five years. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though, you talk about the, the player empowerment movement and now we're in the center of what has been a saga, if you want to call it years. Obviously the last couple of weeks have been just tiresome. Uh, it's the Damian Lillard stuff. And again, we're all just sitting here waiting, checking our phones, waiting for that mm-hmm. Woj or Shams or Chris Haynes because he's as locked in as anybody with Dame stuff mm-hmm. notification. Um, and you know, there's a lot of speculation what's going on right now. Portland's going to take their time. And as they take their time and offers start coming in, they'll start to be choosy about what they want to do in terms of the package they like to, to, to trade for Damian Lillard. Obviously, him going to Miami is problematic for Boston. And I think a big three of, of Lillard and Jimmy and Bam is as formidable as you're going to find in the Eastern Conference, no question. But there's maybe an opportunity here for Boston to slide in. I mean, I, I heard, uh, you know, Zach Lowe uh, yesterday, I was listening to his podcast. It's apparently very clear that, Dame Lillard and Jason Tatum are buddies and mm-hmm. there's been some conversation maybe about them playing together as a team. And if, if Portland's going to do the best by Portland, they're going to have to listen to everything. DA, do you, do you think it's in Boston's best interest to get super involved with Damian Lillard? Because that's a guy, I mean, say what you will about his, he's never made it to the NBA finals, but he's made it pretty darn close and he hasn't had the best teams doing it. He's in right. a, he's, as good as an offensive player as you're going to find in the league. Yeah, no, I mean, look, of course you would, they would have to look at it. That's one of the few guys, if you said, you know, who do you trade Jalen Brown for? Damian Lillard? Yeah. Okay. That makes some sense, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, all right. That's the level of guy that I'm talking about, right? But I look, I don't know if it's Boston. I certainly think if, if Dame wants to get to Miami, it can't, it's not going to be just a Portland Miami trade. It's going to have to be three or four teams getting involved to get Portland the assets that they're going to require. And look, I, I think you have to look at this from Joe Cronin's point of view, who's the GM. Joe Cronin is going to be known for the rest of his life as the guy that traded Damian Lillard out of Portland. That's his deal. That's what he's got to own and wear. It's not fair. But that's the gig. It's like Heimblum trading Mookie Betts. It's the same deal. Yeah, you're that guy. You did that terrible thing that my you made my kid cry. You know what I mean? So that's <laughs> that's what it's going to be. And yep. so if I have to do that, then I damn sure have to get a good return on on the trade. So and it's not Tyler Hero. All due respect to Tyler Hero. Um, so it's 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 going to have to be more. There's going to have to be more teams involved. Now, is it doable? Yes. It's more complicated. Takes longer. But it is doable. Like you've got a lot of parts here. You've got James Harden all of a sudden just, I don't want to be in Philly anymore. Get me to the Clippers. And you've got Lillard and you've got some other guys that wouldn't mind being, you know, sent elsewhere. Um, maybe Grant Williams is in there somewhere. You know what I mean? So it's, it is, there are several different places that you can turn to start saying, okay, you give me this, you give me this, you give me this. And maybe we can make a deal here for Dame to get him to Miami. 
or failing that, you know, do I go straight to Brooklyn? I mean, yeah. I mean, you could do that. Um, the problem is Brooklyn don't have any, doesn't have any picks right now. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like all the places that, that people are saying, well, he, he could go there. He could go there. They all have the same problem. Philly's got the same problem. They don't have any picks, <laughs> you know, like, um, so they traded all their picks for Harden. Brooklyn traded all their picks for Harden. So they don't know what's going to happen for Harden. So um, it's just a little hard. It's not quite as simple as people are making it out to be on for any team to get Dame. Like, and and so Miami can sit there and offer the two first they have and Hero and Robinson. It's still to me, I got to have more than that. But if you get the Clippers involved and you get Philly involved now, okay, now there's. There's a different dynamic. There's more players. There's more picks available potentially in a, in a deal that could make sense for everybody. So knowing full well, obviously, and we've already seen some considerable big name movement across the league. I mean, Bradley Beal, obviously close to you is, is mm-hmm. out, you know, a, a new situation in Phoenix. Chris Paul has found his way elsewhere. He's with the Warriors now and all these big names and obviously. Harden shoot a drop and Lillard shoot a drop and who knows what else in terms of high level role players, a guy like Hero, so on and so forth. Is it impossible for you to handicap a a, a title favorite right now, uh, knowing that that all all of these guys are are still potentially moving in the weeks to come, or just what is your your overall view of that landscape at the moment? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, you know, especially in the East, obviously, because the you know, the team that was the team that made the finals is in flux or wants to be in flux, right? <laughs> um, the team that was the runner up is in flux because they made a huge trade. And we none of us know what that's going to look like until we see it on the floor. Um, the team that Boston beat is in flux because they're about to trade James Harden. So everybody's in flux except for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's running it back with what they had last year. Um, what they've had the last several years, they're going to run it back, but they have a new coach. So that's a different dynamic. Um, so yeah, I mean, especially in the East, everything is up in the air. Every team is up in the air with some major changes and we just aren't going to know probably for the first couple of months of next season, how this is all going to shake out. Um, but we certainly aren't going to know until we know where, if Lillard winds up in Miami or if he winds up in Brooklyn or if he winds up in Philly. Um, that changes everything with those respective teams for those respective teams. Um, so yeah, there's some uncertainty out in the West. Look, Denver's clearly the team now. Denver, it's Denver's world. Um, they're the best team. Um, I think the Lakers did a really nice job of adding. I think Gabe Vincent is a huge pickup. That's just a great sign for them. That's a terrific signing for them at a very reasonable number. Um, so. You know, he's a guy that will help. They brought back, as they said they would, they brought back Reeves, they brought back Hachimura, they brought back Delo, which I, I thought he might be the odd guy out, but they managed to bring him back. So um, I think the Lakers have a chance to be really good next year and be a real um, threat to, more of a threat to Denver, who lost Bruce Brown, and he was a big part of what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can they can they replace him with somebody else? Well, Grant Williams would help them an awful lot, wouldn't he? He was able to, they were able to figure out to bring in someone of that level to come in and, and take that, those Bruce Brown minutes. Um, you know, let's see what they do because they have to do something, uh, going forward. 
but yeah, the East is 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 even more of a crapshoot than it was this past year. I'm curious before we let you go, just uh, it, and this is not imminent. It's not something that's going to happen this year. But if you're forecasting ahead, who's out the door first in Dallas? Kyrie Irving or Luca? Uh look, I think they're pretty committed. Look, I think they've made it clear that Luca's the guy down there, and they will keep rotating people in and out until they find a fit. I actually think a full year of Kyrie and and Luca is going to be pretty good. Like I, whatever you think of Kyrie Irving, he is a monster talent offensively. Like he is a he is a huge talent, um, and if he is comfortable being there. It certainly looks like he's made a commitment of as much as we can trust Kyrie's commitment to anything. Um, <laughs> but he has made his commitment there for at least the next year. I would like to see where, how far that group could go. Now they got a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I liked what they did in the draft. They made some really kind of shrewd moves in the draft and, and were able to get lively has got a chance to be a pretty good player. Um, so let's see what that looks like. Let's see what that what that feels like. But to your question, look, if they have to pick, it's not going to be Luca that's that's moving. I don't think. I I think until he says I want out. Well, is, that's more what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Now he may is he frustrated? I'm sure he is. Um, and is he at the point where where he demands to be moved? I mean, I don't know that he's there yet. But uh, another year or two of this, maybe. But we'll have to we we have to see how that goes for a year and see how far they can go with with those two leading the way and you know is he the next shoe I mean we'll find out I guess um, but since they continue to cater to him it's a lot like Dame in Portland they kept catering to Dame like hey, you want let's do this let's do this whatever you want um, and I don't think Luca's quite there yet in terms of frustration level um, and Luca's got to own some of this too now like. You know, there's things you can do to be better. Like you can be in better shape for one. That mm-hmm. that would help a lot um, in terms of our winning, uh, winning more. So he's got to own some of this too. And if I feel like I need to pull a Jimmy Kimmel, like our, our apologies to O'Shea Brissett, we ran out of time. Uh, I mean, look, man, I, I have to <laughs> wear orange today. It's from my guy O'Shea. I'm super pumped about yeah. it. Uh, the only thing I have left is is I just want to get Da's thoughts on having these Twitter rate limits in the middle of what is the busiest <laughs> time of NBA newsbreaker season. It's like, you could have, they could have picked the worst time. This must be tragic for you, David, trying to keep up with everything. Uh, there's workarounds. They're, they're clunky, but there's workarounds. I just don't look, I'm not a billionaire. I don't know how billionaires think. I don't, I, you know, they think of, they, they operate in a different world than all of us operate in. So I don't know what's important to them. I just don't know why, what the benefit is to take a company that everybody really likes, like everybody really in, works through and then, and, and everybody, there's different subsets. People are comfortable with it and it's cool. And it's everybody, it's, it's, there's toxicity, but there's also people that, that you care about who can kind of bring you back in and you feel all right with it and you're, you feel somewhat safe, right? <laughs> And you just say, let's set that company on fire and see what happens. <laughs> let's just see what happens. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to me that that's what the, that's the move. Like, it's, I I, and I, it's it's a huge storyline because we're all we only have. I checked. Uh, Kaufman, you're not verified, are you still? 
No, I mean, what once upon a time, but, yeah, uh, we're but no, I, the 600 I, tweet limit. And it's like, yeah. I, what are you talking about? There's so much news going on. I can't yeah, just, it was just be choosy. It was just like, and I know, look, Elon Musk don't know anything about basketball. I don't think he's even cares about the NBA. He's even familiar with it. So it's not like I'm doing this move to screw up the NBA, but it's just like, you just decide on a Saturday. That you're yeah. Just start doing this. You don't tell anybody it's coming. It just, hey, yeah, it just, just shows up. Now, so yeah. like, so, and I don't, I don't know all of the, like, I'm, I'm fairly inept when it comes to this stuff. So I don't know all of the ins and outs, but somebody was saying, correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, cause I, I haven't, I guess I just haven't been on Twitter enough the last couple of days to, to reach my rate limit. Uh, cause I, uh-huh. I'm not verified, but you know, if you, if you just like scroll Twitter long enough, right? Like you hit your limit because you've seen all of these tweets. Isn't I think a workaround would be. Just whichever, whoever it is, whether it's DA, whether it's, you know, Wode, Shams, Haynes, like you, uh, Himmelsbach, like you name it, just set notifications for all of these people that you do care about, because then they'll just show up on your phone. You know, like you'll just be alerted when news happens. Yeah. You don't even need to go on Twitter. That's, that's right. your. That's, yeah, that's no, a, that's true. That's a way you avoid a workaround. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, um, I, mean, I hope Elon's not listening to Celtics beat, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just weird, man. One of his underlings. Like, how can I alienate more people than they're already? <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> okay. That's what you want. I mean, it's your company. You pay for it, but for 43 <laughs> billion, I'd want more people. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want less people. I wouldn't want fewer people. I want more people. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's. It... <laughs> It's very true. I I saw what was the tweet? I'm trying to pull it up. I saw somebody tweet. Uh, I probably won't even be able to read it because of rate limit or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So someone said I actively force myself not to scroll through Twitter now that I don't use. So I don't use up my views. Twitter incentivizes me not to use their product. How does that make any business sense? I, that's I don't yeah. like. I said I'm not smart enough to understand yeah. the genius behind this. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, well, you, you are plenty smart enough, obviously, to, uh, you know, provide us all with your NBA expertise, especially as it relates to giving Celtics fans a better look at what to expect from Kristaps Porzingis. So we greatly appreciate that, David Aldridge. Thank you for hopping on with us again. We will, uh, we'll bug you again in the future. We'll do it again. It's, uh, it's always a great time to have you on. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. Of course, DA from The Athletic, you know Evan, I'm Adam, we'll talk to you again next week when maybe, just maybe, Brogdon will be traded or here, Grant will be traded or here, Jalen will be extended or not, we'll see, talk to you soon.